last week we were talking about David and we looked at David and Bathsheba. And so I'm going to just kind of jump right into the story because there is a lot uh, going on and a lot happening. But one of the passages or one of the verses I didn't read last week on purpose was because I wanted to start with it this week. But last week we talked about David and Bathsheba and then Nathan confronts David. And at the very end of that, uh, as he comes in, uh, he gives him a uh, kind of a, makes a statement to him. And so if you look over there on Second uh, Samuel uh, chapter 12, verse 10, uh, as this uh, passage uh, happens, um, this is where we ended up last week. We end uh, with the Bathsheba. And then verse 10 says, Now, therefore, with the sword will never leave your house, because you despised me and took the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be your own wife. And so this statement, the sword will never leave your house, that's, that's what I didn't cover. I didn't cover it on purpose. Because as we go through the story, we kind of realize that God keeps this promise. As we've been talking about God's promises, sometimes we don't want God to keep all of his promises, but he keeps his promises. And if you go through the story, uh, the story takes kind of some very uh, bad turns after this. Uh, where just a few verses later, the baby that is uh, conceived through the relationship of David and Bathsheba, that baby dies. Uh, in the next chapter, kind of going through some of these stories, his son Amon uh, rapes his sister Tamar. David doesn't really do anything about this. Then two years goes by and Tamar's uh, brother Absalom finally has had enough and he kills uh, his brother Amon. We keep going through. Uh, there's uh, Absalom then revolts and there's a, uh, this whole just kind of gruesome graphic story that takes place where he's riding a donkey. Uh, didn't know donkeys could go this fast, but he's riding a donkey. His hair gets caught in a tree. The donkey keeps riding and leaves him hanging there. And then he is then run through with the spear. It's wonderful stories. This is all, it's all in the Bible. Uh, so, so his son Absalom is then killed. And then after that, uh, his other brother, Adon, Adon, sorry, Adonijah, uh, tries to become king. Solomon becomes king and then kills or has his brother killed, Adonijah. So within this kind of just the end of 2 Samuel into the beginning of 1 Kings, we lose from, from David's house, he loses four sons. The baby that was through Bathsheba, Amon, Absalom, Adonijah. All of these, all of these sons are lost that quickly. And it's this uh, kind of echoing through all of these passages, the sword will never leave your house. So as we kind of go through, we're going to jump into 1 Kings. And um, I think we're having an issue with the slides. So we might just uh, not have slides today. So we have, yeah, we have these Bibles. Let's use those. Or you can use the YouVersion app. They're all, it's all right there too. So we're going to just uh, go through and uh, do it old school today. So did you find it, John? So I, John, go down in the, uh, this, was it last week I had to pause someone when I like edited? Go into the download folder and double click. Uh, there should be a notes for today or like message notes. Try that, see if that'll load. Okay, y'all don't know John and I, this, y'all just ignore John and I talking right now. So we'll see. All right, so let's jump into 1 Kings chapter three, verse four, and uh, we'll, we'll walk through this. We're gonna read down to verse 15 um, while we try to figure out the notes. All right, 
Solomon made, this first Kings chapter three, Solomon made an alliance with Pharaoh, king of Egypt, by marrying Pharaoh's daughter. Sorry, I just went to verse one, didn't I? Verse four, sorry. That's, that's totally on me. Yeah, that is absolutely, I just read that verse. I was like, I wasn't gonna read that verse. So, did the, did the notes thing work? Oh, good, all right, all right. The king went, so verse four, the king went to Gibeon to sacrifice there because it was almost, uh, it was the most, sorry, it was the most famous high place. He offered a thousand burnt offerings on that altar. The king we're talking about is Solomon. Verse five, at Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream at night. God said, ask, what should I give you? And Solomon replied, you have shown great favor and love to your servant, my father, David, because he walks before you in faithfulness, righteousness, and integrity. You have continued this great and faithful love for him by giving him a son to sit on his throne as it is today. Lord, my God, you have now made your servant king in my father David's place. Yet I am just a youth with no experience in leadership. Your servant is among your people. You have chosen a people too many to be numbered or counted. So give your servant a receptive heart to judge your people and to discern between good and evil. For who is able to judge this great people of yours? Now it pleased the Lord that Solomon had requested this. So God gave or said to him, because you have requested this and did not ask for long life or riches for yourself or uh, the death of your enemies, but you ask discernment for yourself to administer justice. I will therefore do what you have asked and I will give you wise and understanding heart so that there has never been anyone like you before and will never be again. In addition, I will give you what you did not ask for, both riches and honor, so that no king will be your equal during your entire life. If you walk in my ways and keep my statutes and commands, just as your father David did, I will give you a long life. Then Solomon woke up and realized that it had been a dream. He went to Jerusalem, stood before the ark of the Lord's covenant and offered burnt offerings and fellowship offerings. Then he held a feast for all his servants. And so we, we have this story and we're gonna kind of stop this story here. We could go on and the story that just follows this just a few verses later is the story uh, with the, the two women that have, uh, that have a baby and there's a dispute over this child and kind of the famous story. It's famous enough, it made it into Seinfeld, but it's a famous story where he says, you know, we'll just divide the baby in two. And the mother, uh, one mother says, you know, don't do that. I'd rather the baby go to this other person. And so then he gives the baby and y'all know that story. So that's following this. We're not, we're not gonna cover that. I have a lot of thoughts on that story, but that's not where the sermon ended up landing. So we're not gonna, we're not gonna go through that, that part of the story. But what I wanna do is I wanna focus on two statements in the passage we just read. These two statements are from God. First, ask, what should I give you? And then second, a receptive heart to judge your people and to discern between good and evil. So what does Solomon ask for? Wisdom. He asks for wisdom. And so what I want to do is I want to talk about these two statements, but I'm going to do them in typical uh, John fashion. We're going to do them backwards. I just, for some reason, I like to do things backwards. So we're going to start with Solomon's answer, and then I want to end the sermon with God's question. So let's talk a little bit, just for a moment, about this answer. Now, I think for us to talk about wisdom, one of the good ways for us to understand wisdom is to also understand the opposite of wisdom. And so there's a passage, and I, I used this passage a long time ago uh, in a sermon. I had to 
kind of pull up and figure out what my notes were from it. But it's just two verses. I want to just talk through them uh, with you real quick because I think it helps us understand wisdom. And it goes, uh, it's from Proverbs chapter one. And in Proverbs, who wrote Proverbs? Solomon. Solomon writes Proverbs and this is what he says. Wisdom calls out in the street. She makes her voice heard in the public squares. So what's going on here? So just kind of imagine with me. We have this empty street and wisdom walks out into the street and she begins to call. And so she calls out into the street. So this is what she says. Verse 21, she cries out above the commotion. She speaks at the entrance of the city gates. How long, inexperienced ones, will you have ignorance? How long will you mockers enjoy mocking and you fools hate knowledge? Now, in this verse, there's three groups that she calls out. In these three groups, there's the inexperienced ones, there are the mockers, and there are the fools. So I want to walk through just kind of real quickly, what, what do we mean by this? What is, what is she talking about and what is Solomon writing about as he tells this story? The inexperienced ones, or sometimes your Bibles might translate as simple or simpletons. The mockers, sometimes your Bibles might translate it as scoffers or the fools, and I think most of them translate it as fools or sometimes the foolish. So the inexperienced ones were the simple, the mockers or scoffers, the fools. All right, these are the three groups that she calls out. So let's just walk through them kind of real quickly. So the first one is the simple. What are the simple? Well, the simple is someone who doesn't know what they don't know, and they lack experience. Now, all of us, we, we, have, we have fallen in this category sometime, okay? All of us have fallen in this category. If you have ever been a child, you have fallen into this category. Because children, and we have two teenagers, teenagers, they don't always know what they don't know. They're not being bad. They just lack experience. And so the simple are someone who doesn't know what they don't know because they, they haven't had the life experience. And all of us fall into this category too when it comes to kind of other things in life. There are things that some of you know way more about than I know. And there are things that I know way more about than you know. And what the wise do is they say, well, if I have a question about this, if I have a question about plumbing, do you know who I'm calling? It's not Dwight. It's Jay Crane, right? Everybody in the church. I heard him talking about plumbing this morning. If you have a plumbing question, you call what? The experienced one. Someone who has experience in plumbing. And that's, that's the way we, we, that's what we understand. That's the way life is supposed to be. We had a, a, something come up this week. Uh, there was an issue at the high school and there was uh, some kids got in trouble. And it was one of those moments where I, I had this aha moment of like, we haven't talked to our kids about this. We've talked about all these other things. And so as this year, as a junior year has been kind of interesting because these things keep happening. So the other night, I think it might've been Wednesday night, we had a family meeting, which for some reason, my kids always think they're in trouble if we call a family meeting, but we have a little family meeting and it was just kind of like, okay, in this scenario, what would you do? And then this is what you need to do in this scenario. And it's just normal teenage growing up stuff because they are inexperienced and it's a part of that learning process. They don't know what they don't know. And so the first part of this category is the simple, okay? There's nothing wrong with the simple. 
But what we have to do is, is when we are the simple, we have to bring in that experience. We have to learn from that experience. And that when we gain that experience, we listen to people that are older than us. We listen to people who have wise counsel. That helps us grow. All right? So the first one is the simple. The second one are the mocker, the, the way that she lists them, the mockers or the scoffers. Now, the mockers and the scoffers are someone who knows, okay, they have the information, they know, they don't care. And it's not just that they don't care. They're going to make fun of you for pointing it out. They're going to make fun of you for, tell, for, for trying to help them. Now, some of us, we've known people like this. The mockers and the scoffers will ridicule you for trying to correct them. And later on in Proverbs, Solomon tells us, this is how you deal with this. And so I want you to look at this verse because he kind of pulls in the simple, pulls in the scoffers into one, into one kind of statement. Proverbs 9, 6, leave inexperience behind and you will live. Okay, leave, leave simple behind and you will live. Pursue the way of understanding. All right, so that's what you do if you are simple. That's what all of us should be doing. The next verse, the one who corrects a mocker will be, bring abuse on himself. The one who rebukes the wicked will get hurt. Don't rebuke a mocker or he will hate you. Rebuke the wise and he will love you. You hear that? When we rebuke the mocker, they don't come away and say, oh my goodness, I didn't know I was doing it wrong the whole time. Thank you so much. That's not the way we walk away. We're the ones that ended up being abused. We're the ones that end up with them saying things about us. And so they say, what do we do? The righteous, the wise, if we teach them, they'll learn. Instruct the wise and he will be wiser still. Teach the righteous and he will learn more. So the second one, the mocker, the scoffer. The third one is the fool and the fool is very similar to the mocker. Uh, however, but the fool is someone who doesn't know what they don't know and they just don't care. They just don't care. Now, that's very similar to the mocker, but the fool has a little bit more of kind of a, a re, there's some redemption possibly there because the fool can accept the truth and change their ways. Where the mocker is just going to make fun of you for trying to help them. And so the fool believes that they will, they're just gonna do what they do, they're just gonna get away with it. We know people in life that seems like anytime they do something wrong, they get caught. And sometimes you want to say to them, like, why don't you just stop getting, like, stop, stop doing things wrong. Because every time you do something wrong, you get caught. You know what you could do? Just stop doing stuff wrong. Have y'all ever met those kind of people? Like, just, just behave. The, the fool just thinks, like, okay, I know I didn't get away with it the first 30 times, but maybe I'll get away with it number 31. Okay? And we all know that doesn't work but the fool can at least be talked to about it. So why, why is it worth kind of walking through these things and talking to y'all about them? Because I think when we talk about wisdom, it helps us to understand or it helps me to understand kind of what the opposite of wisdom is. To understand that there are people who aren't wise. There are people who are scoffers. There are people who are fools. There are times in our lives that we are simple. And when we are in that inexperienced moment that we go to people who have more experience, that's what wise people do. So what is wisdom? Wisdom is the quality of having experience, knowledge, and good judgment. 
Okay, look at that, that definition. How does that compare to the simple, to the mocker, and to the fool? The wise, are the wisdom is the quality of having experience and knowledge and good judgment. It's putting those things into practice. And so when we kind of contrast that with these other things, then we kind of see how that plays out. Now, I'm gonna give y'all a quote on the, on the next slide, okay? And I just want y'all to hear, you're gonna read it and you're gonna be like, Pastor, I have no idea what that means. I'm gonna explain it to you, all right? So the quote is from uh, the German philosopher Hegel, all right? This is what the quote is. The owl of Minerva begins its flight only at the onset of dusk. Now, anybody know what that means? And we're all like, I have, I have no clue. Anybody, when y'all were sophomores in high school, did you have to take mythology? Anybody take that? Minerva is the, god, the Roman goddess of wisdom. The Greek goddess of wisdom was Athena. So we can kind of take Minerva and we can just kind of replace the owl of Minerva with the word wisdom. So let's look at the quote again, if we just replace those words. Wisdom begins its flight only at the onset of dusk. What I think Hegel wants us to hear, what I want y'all to hear this morning is one of the struggles with wisdom is that wisdom is something that comes after we have gone through the light of the experience. Now, some of you who are a little bit older, this is where you say amen. Where we, when you have gone through life and you move through these experiences, when you start to get to the dusk of life, that's when wisdom begins to take a new shape for us. But I think even in life, when we go through experiences, this is the quote that makes us think in the, in the moment where things happen and you don't know what to do, and then you get to the other side of it and you think, if only I would have done this. Or if only I would have, if only I had all the information, then I could have made a better decision. Wisdom is one of those things that's hard for us because we, when we most often have to make those decisions are those moments that we don't have all the information or we're in the light of day. And Hegel says wisdom, wisdom begins at dusk. Wisdom usually comes when we're through the event. My mom used to always say that she, what, what she loves about sitcoms is also what she didn't like about sitcoms because she said, if you watch a sitcom, all they do is, is they say what you wish you could say or what you wish you would have thought of saying in that moment. That, that's what she used to always say, because you have those kind of moments that happen. I had a pastor call me this week and said, this person said this, and I said, well, did you respond with this? Oh man, I should have said that. Well, it's easy when you're on the outside. It's in those moments. It's in those hard moments when you wish you would have had those words. And wisdom helps us know. It helps us know that there are going to be times that we're kind of through that. Why is that important? Well, let's look at 1 Kings uh, chapter 3. Let's go back to our passage. 1 Kings chapter 3, verse 9. So give your servant a receptive heart to judge your people and to discern between good and evil. So when we read this passage, for most of us, we talk about, well, what, what did Solomon ask for? He asked for wisdom. He didn't just ask for wisdom, did he? In this passage, he asked for something else. What is that? Okay, a receptive heart. But he also asked to discern, for discernment. 
And what I want y'all to kind of begin to think through is, is that wisdom and discernment are things that work hand in hand. That if we're going to kind of use the quote from Hegel earlier, part of what we understand is, is discernment is the peering around the corner when it's getting dark. The discernment is the ability to look into different situations and to begin to discern what the truth is, what the right thing is. Discernment helps us with wisdom and they play together and they work together to kind of give us this, this way of seeing into things. And so what Solomon does, the Solomon says to God, this is what I'd want. I want wisdom to be able to give justice to the people. But I also want discernment that in these moments to know what to say, in the moments that I, when things aren't clear, to be able to peer around that corner and to know this is the right thing to say. So the other piece of this, and I'll kind of start pulling it all together. I lost some of you at Hegel, but I apologize. But let's go into, uh, let's go back to 1 Kings, chapter three, verse five, where I said we were going to kind of end with the second piece. So I want you to kind of process what's going on here. The verse before, it tells us, Solomon has gone up to a high place. He's offering thousands of, of offerings and he's, he's doing this incense. So there's this, this smoke going up to heaven. He's doing all of this for God. He goes to sleep and then God kind of changes the story. And instead of Solomon doing something for God, now God is saying to Solomon, I want to do something for you. So he says this to him, ask, what should I give you? What, what is it that you want? What should I give you? You have given me all of these offerings. What should I give you? Now, the incredible piece of this story is that little pronoun that God says to Solomon, what should I, what should I as God give you? If you remember last week, we talked about David. We talked about gift. This is a story of gift. This is a story of God giving his gift. What should I give you? Some of y'all um, know this because you've, you've been to football games and uh, this year at Gardendale. But last year I did a, uh, a film or I did the soccer video for the end of the soccer season and we had it at band camp. Or we had it at soccer, sorry. Did the soccer video, we had it at the soccer banquet. And after the soccer banquet, I had some parents come up to me and they were like, uh, I don't know if you know this, but you officially just got the job to take the videos of the soccer team. And so this year we were at a um, band boosters meeting and the band director said, one of the things he would really like is to have a good video of the band. He said, we don't have a good way to promote. We don't have quality video of the, of the band. And so I went to him and said, hey, I'd love to do that. I'd be happy to do that for y'all. Now, part of the great thing with that is, is it gets me down on the field uh, at halftime so I can take video, which is fun. But the bad thing is, is I don't always get to see the show because I'm looking at my camera. But the very first night I did it, I got down there. I was trying to figure out where do I want to be to video. And so I wasn't very comfortable being down there. So I went kind of to the right side of the field. I sat down. I had my camera ready. And I had this little audio recorder. Because if you've ever watched a video of any video, movie, or anything, if the audio's bad, it doesn't matter how good the video is if the audio's bad. So I had this little sound recorder, so I set it up, set it on the ground, had it recording, and I start videoing. And so I got some video of that side. And then that night, we got home, and I took headphones, plugged it into the side 
of the sound recorder, put my headphones on. And it starts off and it was very pretty. And then just a little bit into it, as I remember, the saxophones come towards me. It's this beautiful song. And the saxophones come towards me and on the very end of the line are the baritone saxophones. And as they come to me, they start playing and I'm sitting there with these headphones and all of a sudden in the headphones, it goes It was like a foghorn. And I was like, this is the worst audio ever. Baritone saxes are terrible. Because it was isolated. And, and sometimes, sometimes we think in life that God just kind of says to us, you know what, go do what you want to do. Just go out in the middle of the field. You can play whatever you want to play. You can do whatever you want to do. Just go for it. And we go out there and we play whatever we want to play. And it sounds like a foghorn. And we say, why is it not working? Why, why does it sound so terrible? But the incredible thing, and you all know it because you've all seen a band, the incredible thing is when you back up and you sit up in the stands and you hear the baritone sax come in, it, everything works together. The beauty of every instrument and how they play their parts and how they work together is beautiful. And when I read this passage, I, I read it and I think of God saying to me and saying to you, what, what do you want me to give you? And for so many of us, I think what we want God to give us is, God, I want to the ability to do what I want to do. And God says, no, no, no. What I want you to do is to be on the field, playing the part that you are supposed to be playing, looking at the Holy Spirit to be your guide. And when you look at the Holy Spirit to be your guide, it blends in with the people that I've put around you. And it's beautiful. You see, the incredible piece of this story is that what Solomon asks for, what Solomon asks for isn't something for himself, but it's something for God's people. He wants something for God's people. He says right there in verse 9, so give your servant a receptive heart to judge your people, to discern between good and evil. For who is able to judge this great people of yours? The gift that he wants is not a gift for himself. It's a gift that joins together with the rest of the band to play the beautiful song of God. So the question for us this morning is, what should I give you? A couple things I want you to see with this, and we'll go through, I just have like four, four statements and we'll wrap it up. The first thing is that hopefully you've seen this. It's about gift. It's about what has been accomplished and what God is doing. Our lives are about a gift. It's about a gift. It's about what God has done in our lives. Everything that we have is from God. It's from God. God has been doing that to us. I'll, not to give another football example, but last week we played at Mountain Brook and the Gardendale kids, they, they chanted, I shouldn't tell you all this, but the Gardendale student section, they're teenagers. They're simple. <laughs> they're inexperienced, but they chanted something. You know what they chanted? To Mountain Brook, they chanted, daddy's money. Okay, now that's kind of funny. It's Mountain Brook, they're rich. 
But I looked over to Heather and I was like, do they know all of those kids, they don't have any money. They're all living off mommy and daddy's money too. They might not have, their mommy and daddy's might not have as much. But all kids are living off mommy and daddy's money. Or maybe grandma and grandpa's in some sense. But everything we have is gift. Everything that I have is not mine. It's something that God has given me. It's something that God has given you. All of life is a gift. It is about gift and it is about what God has accomplished and what God is continuing to do. When we talk about generosity, when we begin to understand it's all gift, it changes the way we understand generosity because I know it's not mine anyway. When we give something away, it's, it was never mine to start with. It changes the way that we see giving. It changes the way we see generosity when we know it's not mine. And the beauty of the story is, not to get off on a generosity sermon, but the beauty of the story is, is if I believe that it's all from God, if I give something away, I also believe that God's gonna give me something else to take care of me. Because it's all from God anyway. It's all about gift. The second thing I want you to see is that we are to receive what God has given and use it in the service of others. The gift that God has given us, it's not for me. It's not for you. It's to be given for others. The story that follows this, and I could go, like I said, I'm not gonna try to go in the story, but the story that follows this is the story of these two women, and you read the story, they were prostitutes. They come to Solomon. They come to Solomon and they say, we've got a dispute. We have a baby that's alive. We have a baby that passed away and we've, we're arguing about who the mom is. And Solomon speaks truth into their situation. He speaks into people that in their society would not have been seen as someone of value. But the king, Solomon, doesn't just speak value into their lives. He speaks value into a baby's life. And so we are to receive what God has given us and we are to use it in the service of others. If God has given you wisdom, if God has given you any ability, it's not for you, it's to join into the band. It's to join and to be a part of the song that God is singing, that the Holy Spirit's directing us to be a part of. The next one is, is it all comes back to God's loving kindness or in Hebrew, his said. He says there in verse six, and Solomon replied to God after God asked this, the very first thing he says back, you have shown great and faithful love, he said, to your servant, my father David, because he walked before you in faithfulness, righteousness, and integrity. You have continued this great and faithful love, he said, for him by giving him a son to sit on his throne as it is today. It all comes back to God's loving and faithful kindness to us. And then lastly, as God's people, there is a need to resubmit to the answer to this question. What should I give you? We can go through. We can go through Solomon's life. And if you know the story of Solomon's life, it doesn't take very long and the things start falling apart. It, it, it's just, it's not a good story and it gets really ugly after this and there's a lot of mess and there's a lot of bad stuff that happens and it's just not good. Solomon is a case study, as was his father David, that 
It's one thing to have money, but if you give people opulent wealth, no matter who they are, it corrupts them. We see it in David, we see it in Solomon, we see it today. Fortunately, none of us have opulent wealth, but we see it. But as God's people, we need to constantly resubmit to say, God, this is what you have given me. These are the talents you have given me. This is the ability you have given me. And I need to be constantly reminded that what I have is something that is from you, that the abilities you have given me is something that is from you. I have the ability to organize, or I have the ability to pull people around me, or I have an ability that I walk in a room and I light the room up. There are people that y'all know that are like, whatever that ability is, to say, God, this isn't mine. This is from you. God, what you have done in my life, it's not something I have done. But God, it's from you. And to have a place in life where we constantly resubmit and to say, God, there are times in my life where I thought it was all about me. But I've realized when I step back from the band that I was not playing with the rest of them. The Lord, what you've called me to is this beautiful song. What you've called me to is to join together in a community to give my gift back to you. And Lord, use my gift. Lord, use the things you have done for me in your service to bring life, to bring peace, to bring justice, as we see in the Solomon story, to bring truth. And today, I hope as we look at the story that we walk away with that idea, that we walk away with that reminder. And so my last question for us as we wrap this up is where is God calling you to play his song? Where where is God calling you to join in to his song? For some of us, we know where that is. But for some of us, we don't know, and that's okay. But the wisdom and the discernment tells us that we join in and say, God, speak to me. Show me where I am to be going and to live a life of submitting to that. As John comes, I know for a lot of us, there are some that can answer the question and sometimes we need to be reminded of what God has done for us. And so for some of us, it's a resubmitting to that answer. But for some of us too, we we might have that question of, God, I don't know what you've said to me. I don't know what you have given me. Lord, I I think I might know, but I, I don't know. And Lord, will you confirm that in my life? Will you confirm that calling, that life that you have given me? As we close, uh, most of you know kind of the way that we have been closing for a while. If you would like a pastor to pray with, Pastor James will be right down at this altar. He would love to be able to pray with you. If you need to be anointed uh, for healing this morning, for, for any kind of healing, physical, spiritual, emotional, uh, whatever that might be, I would love to be able to pray with you and anoint you right down here at this altar. But this morning, if you hear that question and just ask, God, where, where are you calling me to play, to play your song. I, I don't know. Or maybe for some of us, we say, I do know, but Lord, I've, I've kind of done my own thing and I need to be back to what you're calling me to do.
And I just invite you to come and find a place to pray, a place to just say, Lord, I need to resubmit. Or Lord, I need to hear from you. Just find that place to say, Lord, I am yours. Let us stand as we sing.